Chapter 16 of Crips the Carrier by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 16 A Grand Smock Frock. Upon the Saturday after this, being Mark a day at Oxford, Zachary Cripps was in and out of the places and the people, as busy as the best of them. The number of things that he had to do used to set his poor brain buzzing until he went into the bar, not the grand one, but the holster's bar at the Golden Cross, and left dry froth at the bottom of a pewter-quart measure of fine old ale. At this flitting trace of exhaustion he always gazed for a moment as if he longed to behold just another, and then, with a sigh of self-dedication to all the great duties before him, out he pulled his leather bag and counted fourpence four times over, without any multiplication thereof but a desire to have less subtraction and then he generally shook his head in penitence at his own love of good ale and the fugitive fate of the passion the last step was to deposit his fourpence firmly upon the metal counter challenging all the bad pence and halfpence pilloried there as a warning and then with a glance at the barmaid sally to encourage her still to hope for him away went cripps to the duties of the day these always took him to the market first a crowded and very narrow quarter then where he always had a great host of commissions, at very small figures, to execute. His honesty was so broadly known that it was become quite an onerous gift, as happens in much higher grades of life. Folk all along both his roads of travel naturally took great advantage of it, being certain that he could spend their money quite as gingerly as his own, and charge them no more than he was compelled by honesty towards himself to charge. Farmers, butchers, poulterers, hucksters, chandlers, and grocers, black, yellow, and green, all knew Zachary Cripps, and paid him the compliment of asking fifty per cent above what they meant, or even hoped to take. Of this the carrier was well aware, and upon the whole it pleased him. The triumph each time of rubbing down by friction of tongue and chafe of spirit, eighteen pence into a shilling, although it might be but a matter of course never lost any of its charms for him his brisk eyes sparkled as he pulled off his hat and made the most learned annotations there if learning is as generally happens the knowledge of what nobody else can read but now before he had filled the great leathern apron of his capacities which being full his hat had no room for any further entries a thing came to pass which startled him so far at least as the road and the world had left him the power of starting he saw his own brother leviticus standing in friendly talk with a rabbit man a man whose reputation was not a hopeless distance beyond reproach a man who had been three times in prison whether he ought or ought not to have been this is a difficult point to debate his friends contended that he ought not if so he of course was wrong to go there his enemies vowed that he ought to be there. If so, he could rightly be nowhere else. The man got the benefit of both opinions in a powerfully negative condition of confidence on the part of the human brotherhood. But for all that, there were bigger rogues to be found in Oxford. Cripps, however, as the head of the family, having seigneurial rights by birth, as well as, in his own opinion, force of superior intellect, saw and at once discharged his duty no taint of poached rabbits must lie for a moment on the straightforward path of the cripses zachary therefore held up one hand as a warning to tickus to say no more until he could get at him 
for just at this moment a deadlock arose through a fight of four women about a rotten egg. But when it had lapsed into hysterics, the carrier struggled to his brother's elbow. Leviticus Cripps was a large, ruddy man, half a head taller than the heir of the house, but not so well built for carrying boxes. His frame was at the broadest and thickest of itself at the very important part of the human system which has to do with ailment. But inasmuch as all parts do that, more or less directly, accuracy would specify, if allowable, his stomach. Here he was well developed, but narrowed or sloped towards less essential points, whereas the carrier was at his greatest across and around the shoulders. A keen physiologist would refer this palpable distinction to their respective occupations. The one fed pigs and fed upon them, and therefore required this local enlargement for sympathy and for assimilation. The other bore the burden of good things for the benefit of others, which is anything but fattening. Be that as it will, they differed thus, and they differed still more in countenance. Zachary had a bright, open face with a short nose of brave and comely look, a mouth large, pleasant, and mild as a cow's, a strong, square forehead, and blue eyes of great vivacity, and some humor. He had true Cripps's hair, like a hornbeam hedge in the month of January, and a thick curly beard of good hay color, shaven into three scallops like a clover leaf. His manner of standing and speaking and looking was sturdy and plain and resolute, and he stuck out his elbows and set his knuckles on his hips whenever both hands were empty. On the contrary, Tychus, his brother, looked at every one and at all times rather as if he were being suspected, wrongly suspected, of course, and puzzled to tell at all why it should be so, and, as a general rule, a little surly at such injustice. The expression of his face was heavy, slow-witted, and shyly inquisitive. His hair was black and his eyes of a muddy brown with small, slippery pupils, and he kept his legs in a fidgety state as if prone to be wanted for running away. In stature, however, and weight, this man was certainly above the average, and he would rather do a good than a bad thing whenever the motives were equivalent. But if his soul could not always walk in spotless raiment, his body at least was clad in the garb of innocence. No man in Oxford Market wore a smock that could be compared with his, for on such great occasions Leviticus came in a noble shepherd's smock, long and flowing around him well, a triumph of mind and design and construction, and a marvel of hand in fine stitching and plating, goffering, crimping, and ironing. The broad, turned-over collar was like a snowdrift tattooed by fairies. The sleeves were gathered in as religiously as a bishop's gossamer, and the front was four-square with cunning work. A span was the length and a span the breadth, like the breastplate over the ephod. As for Tychus himself, he cared no more than the wool of a pig for such trifles. Beyond this, that he liked to have his neighbors looking up to, and the women looking after him. Even in the new unsullied sanctuary of this chasuble, he would grasp the, the tail and Irish pig, if so occasion befell them both. It was Mrs. Leviticus who adored him, after a sea of soap suds and many irons tested ejectively, with his magnificent vesture suggested to feminine capacity perhaps in the days of the tabernacle. Leviticus, said Zachary sternly, leading him down a wet red alley peopled only with coop chicks and paved with unsaleable giblets. Leviticus, what thou be doing this day? 
Many queer things have I seed of thee, but to beat this here, never nothing. I don't know. What dost mean? Tychus answered unsteadily. Now I call that a lie, said the carrier firmly but mildly, as if well used thereto as a dog is to fleas in the summertime. Oh, it might be, and yet again I might not, Tychus replied with keen sense of logic, but none of impeached ethics. Do we know or do we not? The ruthless carrier pressed him, that their hosebird have been in jail. Now I do believe, let me call to mind, said Tychus, with his duller eyes at bay, that I did hear summit as come nigh that. But, Lord bless you, the best of men goes to jail sometimes. Do you call to mind old Squire Dempster? Not to do with it, not to do with it, Zachary cried with a crack of his thumb. That were an old gentleman's misfortune, the same as St. Paul and St. Peter did once. But but that hosebird I see you talking of have been in jail three times, three times, I tell ye, and no miracle. And if ever I sees you dealing with him, he closed his sentence empathetically by shaking his fist in the immediate neighborhood of his brother's retiring nose. Well, well, no need to take on so, Zack, cried the bigger man at safe distance. You might bear in mind that I has my troubles, and no covered card at the tail of me, and a family, Zack, as wears out more boots than a tanyard a week could make good to em. But there, I never finds anybody gifted with no consideration. Why, if I was to talk till tomorrow night, if you was to talk to next leap year's day, you cannot fetch right out of wrong, Tickus, and you know pretty well what I be. Now, what was you doing with that black George? Mine, no lies won't go down with me. Best way go and get him to tell ye, younger brother answered sulkily. It will do ye good, like, to get it out of he. No harm to try, answered Cripps with alacrity. No fear for me to be seen along of un. Only for the likes of you, Tickus. The carrier set off to stake his higher repute against lowest communications. But his brother, with no heed of smock or of crock, took three long strides and stopped him. Harken me, harken me, Zack, he cried with a start at a cock that crowed at him, and his face like the wattles of a chanticleer. Zack, for the sake of the Lord in heaven of my seven little ones, stop a bit. I bain't in no hurry that I know on, replied Cripps of pure conscience. You told me to ask of him, and I were a-going on the wag to do so. Come out into the turl, Zack, come out into the turl a minute. There's nobody there now. They young college boys be all at their lessons or hunting. There's no place to come near the turl for a walk when they noisy college chaps are gone. By a narrow back lane they got into the turl. At that time of day, little harassed by any, unless it were the children of the porter of Lincoln or Exeter. Now what is it thou hast to say? asked Zachary. But this was the very thing the younger brother was vainly seeking for. Nort, nort, Zack, nort, of any account. He stammered after casting in his slow imagination for a good, fat, well-seasoned lie. Now spake out the truth, man, whatever it be, said the carrier, trying to encourage him. Tickus, thou art always getting into scrapes by means of crooked dealing. But I'll not turn my back on thee, if for once can't spake the truth like a man, brother. Leviticus struggled with his nature, 
While his little eyes rolled slowly and his plated breastplate rose and fell, he stole some irresolute glances at his brother's clear, straightforward face, and he might have saved himself by doing what he was half inclined to do. But circumstances aided nature to defeat his better star. The wife of the porter of Lincoln College had sent forth one of her little girls to buy a bunch of turnips. She knew that turnips would be very scarce after so much hard weather, but her stew would be no good without them, and among many other fine emotions, anxiety was now foremost. So she thrust forth her head from the venerable porch at the top of her voice, exclaimed, Termots! 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 At that loud cry, Leviticus Cripps turned pale, for his conscience smote him. She meaneth me! She meaneth me! She meaneth me, my turmot field, he whispered with his long legs bent for departure. Tis a thousand pound they've offered, Zack. Come away, come away down Ship Street. There is a pump, and I want some water. But tell me what thou wast to go on to say, cried his brother, laying hold of him. Dash it, I will tell thee the truth, then, Zack. I just went and cut up a maisley sow, as fine a bit of pork as you ever clapped eyes on, but for they little beauty spots and the clerk of the market bought some for his dinner, and he have got a bad cook, a cantankerous woman, and now I be in a pretty mess. Not a word of all that do I believe, said Cripps. End of chapter 16